right, welcome to episode 57 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Excited for uh, another round of some NFL handicapping, some analysis we got going on. I brought back my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back to the podcast, buddy. Hey, what's poppin', Benny? Welcome to 2021. Ah, what's poppin'? I missed it, man. We missed it. We missed our pod last weekend. I'm still fighting a little bit of a cold. Um, and just a lot of stuff been going down since our last recording. We recorded the holiday special on our last one. And uh, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. It's been the last time you heard us. It was 2020. And um, <laughs> enough. Uh, I'm sure all of us understand. I mean, just some crazy stuff going on. And we're going to try to, uh, you know, offer as much advice on football. But I mean, we got to acknowledge off the top of the podcast kind of what's been going on in the country. Um, and we I mean, obviously, yesterday, the January 6th was supposed to be the uh, Electoral College. You know, they're they're tallying on the votes. Swearing in, yeah. yeah, Congress swearing in the tallying of the votes. And and it really just turned into a historically awful day and embarrassing and a shameful day for America. And it was I mean, there's not really any need for us to break any news to listeners. I mean, I'm sure everybody is well aware of the situation and, and there's just so much news coverage on it. And you really, you go on social media and there's always something about it. And it seems like there's new stories breaking every hour on kind of the developing story of the whole thing. And it's just really just, I personally, like I just never felt so ashamed of being to be an American. I'm like, it's been trending this direction for a while now. Just like, we're just such a, we're, we're just tearing each other down like constantly in America. And this really felt no like it is no winners in this whole thing. And it felt like yesterday was the low point in this whole thing. And I, hopefully that's the low point. It doesn't get any worse. I mean, fingers crossed, but it really just, I could not believe what was going on. It, I mean, it, it, that's the story. And that's literally the headline that everybody keeps saying. They could not believe it was unprecedented. Just, unfathomable what was going on and, and and by that you mean you just like the the unprecedented of it but really the writing was on the wall for eight, for weeks now that this day was going to be one that you know the trump supporters were really gonna you know stick their claim and, and really fight back and it it was just so disheartening to see what had happened to you know just this whole situation what were your thoughts on it connor my thought is similar to yours where I was just disgusted by what I was seeing on the news and on the TV. And honestly, the reaction from everybody else was almost comical because the Trump supporters want to champion American freedom over anything. And yet the first chance they get to denigrate American democracy and the greatest thing that is the American Republic, which is, our right to democratic voting and to choose our electoral leaders and our, our freedoms in that were totally questioned and tried to overthrow. They tried literally tried to overthrow the electoral college. Um, and it, it hurts all of us. It, it hurts the entire world, not only America, to be clear, because we hold America as the pinnacle of democracy. We've literally gone into other countries to overthrow dictators in order to insert democracy into those countries. And yet we had a person at the head of the country. And yes, I purposely avoided calling him the president because no president acts that way. Yeah. Calling for people to riot against 
a democratically democratically elected government and official. Yeah. And it is 100% wrong. It yeah. is 100% going against everything that America represents. And these people aren't Republicans. They're not Democrats. They're Trump supporters. It's a whole different party. anarchists, anarchists and terror anarchy. Absolutely. Yeah, really just shameful. I mean, the, the, the theme ringing out within the, F, the athlete community and a- athletes in general speaking about the topic, it was pretty encouraging to see a lot of them, you know, voicing their opinions and, and using their, their status to, you know, just bring attention to what there is important to them and their causes. Really, and you saw this on the news too, that really just such a hypocrisy existing within our police system and how this was handled because this is going to be the last point I want to talk about with it because really the fact that these riotists and and anarchists that stormed the Capitol, the fact that they were able to just get into the building and, and the fact that you saw the videos of the security opening the gates for them to literally just storm the, the steps of the Capitol, it was something you would never see if it was a black or brown community that was doing this that was trying to you know it started off as a protest and turned into a riot and a mob and chaos and it was just disheartening to see how they were given every benefit of the doubt and i'm and i saw the point made that you know i'm not saying that you know that i wish there were more casualties and i wish that there was more violence that the police invoked for the situation but what i'm what we're saying is and what the the black and brown minority communities are, are saying is there needs to be this nonviolent and, and trying to de-escalate peacefully situations peacefully within, you know, the minority communities. And the fact that if this community was a minority, you know, if, if this, if the people that stormed the Capitol were minorities then they would have been shot on site, a lot of them were saying, and it's a fact, you know, that's true. And you saw the hypocrisy of how Black Lives Matter and those rallies were treated by the police very aggressively and very violently. And then how these people that were Trump supporters and and racists and neo-Nazis waving Confederate and Nazi flags, and they were able to get into a, a federal historic building. And it was just shocking. You know, it's it's sad to see. And and. I, it sucks that we had to open up the podcast this way because it's really a, just a, a somber note to, you know, kick this whole thing off, but it's on the forefront of everybody's mind and really sports are going to be acting as a distraction from this whole situation. What, what this needs to be for everyone in America and for everyone in government, this is a freaking wake up call because when we have a, a leader at the head of our country trying to discredit the media and discredit facts and have people believe with with zero sense of rationality in everything he says, literally blind belief, that is extremely dangerous. And it's extremely concerning for us in the analytical community because we rely on data and statistics to make decisions. And when people yeah. just refuse to acknowledge and refuse to acknowledge any sense of data. Yeah. You know, saying that there was a fraudulent election without any shred of proof or fact. Yeah. Then we're in a dangerous spot. And I mean, guys, 
if you ignore the data, you're going to lose. I mean, Ben won the fantasy championship this year because he <laughs> paid attention to the data. And if you listen to us, you're going to win as well. Thanks so, for the nod. you know, make, make sure you, you stay rational, listen to science, listen to data and, you yeah. know, in the end, trust yourselves. Yeah. We just got to pray that, you know, we get out of this and we get out of this hole as a country, because like I said at the beginning, just never been so ashamed to be an American. Hopefully we can get, we could, you know, this was the low point and let's, you know, climb our ways up or climb our way back, you know, to be proud mm-hmm. to be part of the country that we're in this community that we're a part of. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. Well, thank you for taking the time to address that, Ben. I think it's yeah, important just, that we it talk about it. It felt like we needed to, it felt like, Absolutely. you know, you can't, you can't have a discussion at this point in, in, you know, at this stage in, in what we're living through right now without, you know, acknowledging what's been going on because how important this whole thing feels and how, you know, unprecedented and I mean, honestly, ridiculous that it's gotten to this point. We, we need more unity at this point and more openness and discussion. And we need to open up those lines of communication again. And, you know, I think it, it comes from listening to everybody and making sure that every voice is heard and saying, I hear you. And then actually having a conversation about the issues that are at hand. And when we have people inside of their own groups, constantly just hyping each other up and not listening to anybody else, this is where we get you know, totally. li- listen to your friends, but also mm-hmm. listen to people who have differing opinions because, you know, they might open up your mind, something new, totally. something positive. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that we can get that. We can get that back in a country, but all right, let's, you know, <laughs> let's try to really switch gears here. We got it. We got an exciting week of NFL football coming up. And so the, the bulk of our podcast here, you know, we want to continue to, provide football analysis and and offer our, our opinions and our data to back up what we uh, we think is going to be happening this weekend in football like i said earlier we had to skip week 17 um i did offer connor and i did offer some uh best bets and some dfs lineups in our social media account to try to help our our followers we were able to on, on my best bets that connor was able to get up on our instagram account um, I Article ended up also on the website. Yes. I had some analysis there on all things analysis.com. We um, were, I was able to nail the, the Buffalo bills and, and Rams handicaps was able to nail the uh, New York giants money line against Dallas. Just missed out on the first half parlay. I suggested uh, with the NFC group of, of one C competitors, green Bay, new Orleans, and um, Seattle. I, I, that was one of my bets. I suggested just missed that one. And then just missed the teaser between uh, New York, the New York jets and Cleveland Browns. But, you know, if you were able to follow us, I, I believe that if you, you know, use some of our advice, you definitely were able to make some money on some of that, some of that advice. Other than that, Connor, yeah, you, I mean, what was great was your best bets, Ben, were all more than one-to-one payout. So yeah. even if two of the four hit, you were very much in the money because of the odds you were able to get. Yeah. Definitely. I, I personally made a little change, you know, Hey, always baby. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah. Connor, you nailed the DFS lineups last week and we're, we'll talk about that towards the end of the podcast, but you know, you've been, you've been on a roll with those. 
Dude, we both had the top scoring running backs. You had Jonathan Taylor, I had Derrick Henry, both of whom over 200 yards in week 17, a couple touchdowns each, like incredible, incredible. And deep dive, I had Kirk Cousins as my quarterback. And obviously <laughs> I was texting you beforehand, like, dude, I cannot rely on Kirk Cousins. This I is a cousins, problem. The guy is a mess. Too. <laughs> 400 yards and three or four touchdowns. Yeah. He was like the number Great one game. scoring quarterback. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, you know that one another Uh, great week for us totally all right so let's start looking ahead to some wild card weekend matchups we got three games on saturday three games on sunday on the uh, over the course of the season um i've been kind of keeping an eye on the 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 against the spread trends in general um some things to note the uh i continue to preach that uh, the, the honestly the underdogs this season have been covering I mean, underdogs have covered 55.5% of the time in general. Away dogs, 55.03% of the time. Home home underdogs are covering 56.1%. Those are all significant trends that you got to keep an eye on. Try to keep that in the back of your mind while you're making your, your betting selections over the course of the playoffs. Um, they don't really – I mean, I, I would honestly expect that to kind of keep going, um, at least from a, a, the spreads uh, against the spread – uh, competitions because um, without the home field advantages, without fans in the stands for most of these matchups, there's not as much of a home field advantage that should be reflected in these lines. And we'll see how that affects, um, you know, how, where the spread hits. Yeah. It seems like Vegas never really corrected season long on how much they were weighting the home field advantage because clearly based on the outcomes, it was not as important this year as in previous years. And, you know, we're not surprised by that either. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into the first game on Saturday. We got a good matchup between the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo bills, the bills rolling hot into this one. Bills are favored by six and a half points. The over under total 51 and a half. Indianapolis, they're ninth in weighted DVOA on the season. Weighted DVOA means that they place more of an emphasis and importance on the games that have happened most recently. So uh, I've been using, I've been starting to use that uh, ranking more so than the uh, the total and the general DVOA over the course of the season. Um, but the Colts are ninth in weighted DVOA. They're four and one over their last five. They beat Jacksonville last week, twenty eight to fourteen. Buffalo, they're first in weighted DVOA. Like I said, they're very hot right now. One of the hottest teams in the NFL, if not the hottest team. They won six in a row. They beat up on the Miami Dolphins last week, 56 to 26. One of my best bets, like I mentioned earlier. And you, the, the Bills are just an animal of a team right now. Uh, they, finished the, they finished the year 13 and three for the first time since 1991 when they lost the Super Bowl to the Washington Redskins. They finished 11 and five against the spread this season. They're tied for first in the league. Uh, my, the Miami Dolphins were the other team that finished nine, um, 11 and five. The Buffalo Bills are eight and zero against the spread over their last eight games. The totals in Buffalo's games over the last 11, sorry, 11 of their last 16 games for Buffalo have gone over. Uh, but in their last eight games against the Indianapolis Colts, the totals have gone under. So there's a little bit of a contrast there. Connor, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on this uh, matchup between the, the Bills and the Colts? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this teams, the Bills essentially are the number two or number three offense, depending on how you like the Packers and how you like the Chiefs. But they're top three very clearly with the way Josh Allen's playing and, and maybe they're the hottest team in the NFL. Yeah. And then you have the Colts who have been pretty steady all year, but 
they have Philip Rivers at quarterback, who I really don't trust. <laughs> and the Colts have seemed to decidedly rely on their defense in the second half. Um, and it was very evident if you look at their past few games, they seem to get out to. Large well, I thought leads. that Steelers that Steelers game was very indicative of that. You know, they yeah, they early lead and then... leads, and they use Jonathan Taylor, and they use their offensive weapons with Pittman and Hilton, and and then they just seem to take the you know the, 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 the foot off the, gas. the gas paddle yeah. yeah absolutely and and other teams catch up and you know we were watching that Steelers and we had the Steelers pretty high up in our power rankings and you know we we got a lot of heat for it and we were worried honestly watching the game the Steelers did not look good in that first half and all right there goes Frank Frank Wright taking the foot off the gas pedal yeah. and here come the Steelers. And I think that might be the case for what happens in this game. I don't think they have enough firepower to keep up with the bills for a full game. Their strength is on the ground. Their strength is running, running with Jonathan Taylor, who ended up as a top five running back in terms of yardage. Um, you know, the Colts are, are a slightly above average offense. The bills are a fantastic offense. The Colts are a good defense and the bills are an average defense. So on aggregate, I think the bills are the much stronger team. The line will tell you that. So when it comes to the minus six and a half, it's, it's a decent line. The touchdown line is kind of scary in the playoffs, yeah. but I still like the bills because it's not quite at that seven point range. And honestly, they're the hottest team in the NFL. They could have 14 or 15 wins. If you consider the Cardinals game and the other two were very close as well. Yeah. I love Buffalo coming into the playoffs. Uh- you know, and the only thing I'm wary of and I'm a little bit worried about is all this public hype surrounding the Buffalo Bills because the that's always something you got to be worried about because you'll see that the public opinion re- be reflected in these gambling lines. And so really Buffalo minus six and a half feels like a high line. It feels like I mean, because the Colts are a good team. And the only reason why look, the, I'm picking the Bills minus six and a half. I'm laying the points because the Colts have had. I don't know if everybody, if listeners have seen this yet. The Colts have had the easiest ranked, uh, the easiest strength of schedule in the course of the season. Thirty second, they're ranked in strength of schedule ratings. Over the course of the season, their most recent opponents, um, the Colts, are ranked from most recent. They face Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. So the Pittsburgh uh, game was a good one for them. But then they face Houston, Las Vegas, Houston again, Tennessee, who has a terrible defense, Green Bay. Tennessee again, who, like I said, bad defense, Baltimore, Detroit, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Chicago, New York Jets, Minnesota, and then Jacksonville to, in, in week one. The, the games where the, you, fit, you look at where they face the good teams, you have Pittsburgh, the offensive efficiency for the Colts expected value from their offense. Pit, following up from the, what I'm talking about here, Pittsburgh, they, they had an expected value of 0.99. And when they faced Tennessee, they had 6.68. Green Bay, they had 4.31. Baltimore, negative 13.1. Cleveland, negative 2.46. Chicago, 2.28. So these teams that are, are, are you know, average to above average on defense, their offense has not Im- impressed. And so the Colts have had some decent games on offense, but it's because they've been facing such, such weak opponents. And they're 2-4 and four against the spread over the last six against Buffalo, they're two and four against the spread over the last six games in general. I think the Colts are going to have a hard time covering the spread. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to roll in this first matchup. The, they're, they, the Bills are hyped to get into the, the playoffs again this year. Uh, they have, you know, like we said, a great team rolling in. I, like I said, the only thing I'm worried about is, is the Bills' public hype. And I'm, I'm not worried about it in this week one, uh, this wild card weekend for the first round of the playoffs. I think the Bills roll minus six and a half Buffalo for me. Yeah, I'm on the same page there. The one thing I'm interested in 
is where you end up putting the Colts in terms of your power rankings, because early on in the season, Ben, you and I had a bet whether the Colts were a top 10 team or not. And we, uh, we said, you know, season long, I, t- I took outside the top 10, you put inside, I think based on record, they're right on that line, depending on how you judge the teams with the same record. <laughs> so I don't yeah, know, I don't know how we're going to call that bet. It might be a wash. They're 10th, <laughs> they're 10th in total DBOA, ninth in weighted DBOA. Yeah. They're right there. Yeah. So I, I don't know, know but clearly the bills are much better. I'm on the bills. Yeah. We'll all right. call the better wash. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I don't know about that one. All, all right, right. I'll take it. I'll take the win then. <laughs> I don't know about that either. All right. Next, <laughs> next matchup, the LA Rams um, at the Seattle Seahawks. They're in Seattle. The, uh, the Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. The over under a point total, 42 and a half, a low under over, uh, a low under over total. Jeez. The Rams, their eighth in weighted DV away on the season, three and three straight up over the last six. They beat the Cardinals last week, 18 to seven, to save their season and get into the playoffs. Seattle, their fifth in weighted DV away. They got a four game win streak coming into the playoffs. They've won six of their last seven games straight up to close out the season. And they beat the San Francisco 49ers last week, 26 to 23 in week 17. So Seattle. Uh, Seattle's a tough team to get a grip of, in my opinion, coming into the playoffs. I, I honestly think that they have the ceiling to, you know, be Super Bowl contenders, but they also have a, a floor of getting eliminated in this first game, the wild card round. And they're four and eight against the spread over their last 12 games. Uh, the total has gone under in seven of Seattle's last eight games and 12 of their last 18 games between these two teams, Seattle and Los Angeles. The, uh, the Seahawks are seven and one straight up in their last eight home games and 13 and three in their last 16 home games against the Rams. But the Rams are five and two straight up in the last seven games between the Seahawks and the Rams. Like I said, the, uh, the Seahawks are three and six against the spread in their last nine games played in January. So playoff games are three and six against the spread over their last nine. Seattle's past attack has been uncharacteristic. They're, they've been uncharacteristically mediocre in the second half of this season. And they haven't, I don't know if you noticed this, they haven't exceeded 236 passing yards since week nine against the Buffalo Bills. And they've averaged just 194 uh, and a half passing yards per, per game over the last eight weeks. And if you notice when you watch a lot of the Seahawks games, defenses are opposing defenses against the Seahawks are starting to increasingly play more too high safety defenses of cover twos and can keeping, you know, the offense in front of them, limiting DK Metcalf's explosiveness and the big plays they have on the season. They have 30 plays of 25 yards or more, but last year, Russell completed 41 of 77 throws on balls, 21 yards or greater. And it's been a decline of that, not as much explosiveness from the Seattle offense. And the only reason why they're still a good team, I, I think, and I, I honestly think they win this game, but it's going to be close. And I don't, I, I don't have a pick um, just kind of foreshadowing what we're going to get to is I don't really have a pick um, against the spread or in this game, because I think it's just, it, it's such a swing game. It's very close. Um, but really it feels like Seattle has one cup of 
whether or not like their defense is between defense and offense, like they have exactly 100%. And so if the defense gets, you know, the defense in the beginning of the year had like 25% and the offense had 75%. Now it's more like 50, 50, or if anything, it's like 60, 40 towards the defense. And they have like only a, an allotted amount of efficiency. And they can't yeah, like, dude. they can't be he super literally like, all right, yeah. the offense is playing really well. Let's have the horrible defense. Yeah. Oh no, their defense is getting better. Let's have a more like casual, conservative yeah running game yeah exactly he can't let russ cook and the defense perform amazing at the same time yeah it's it's an odd phenomenon but it it feels that way this season and the reason why i'm a little optimistic for the seahawks is the defense has been pretty good and and they have been having a decent pass rush um but honestly my pick here to get to get to where we're going is i'm picking under 42 and a half points. And I'm picking under because you look at the last two matchups between these two teams this year, week 10, 23-16, the Rams won 39 points total. In week 16, 9 to 20, the Seahawks won 29 points total. They neither in neither matchup did they reach 42 and a half points. Um and Goff is banged up. He's questionable. Cooper Cup was out last week. Did he have COVID or did he just have close contact? I think he had COVID. I think he had it. And the results of how COVID has affected players have been, has been mixed, but it's not, it's not a good thing. I wouldn't give him a positive boost, you know? And so we'll see it remains to be seen how, how effective cup will be. Um, Andrew Whitworth is going to be back and playing for the LA Rams, which is a boost for them. Um, the Rams are two and five, just some, some, against the spread trends here. The Rams are two and five against the spread over the last seven games played on Saturdays. Um, and like I mentioned on the earlier, some over under uh, trends, the total has gone under in 11 of the Rams last 13 games and four of their last six road games. So the trends on that kind of just point the arrow down towards the under. And if I had to make a pick against the spread, I lean Rams plus three and a half, but I I don't want to bet on the Rams and then have Wilson dominate in the fourth quarter and be like, what was I thinking? Like picking uh, Wolford or an injured Goff over Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, like the better, the better quarterback and significantly better quarterback in Russell Wilson seems to matter a little bit more in the playoffs. And I I just, I can't pick the Rams in this thinking like I'm just getting a much, much weaker quarterback because Russell Wilson at any moment could, you know, let Russ cook. He could, he could cook at any moment in this game. It's possible. I just DK Metcalf with how, how poorly he's been playing lately. I think he's strung together like four or five mediocre to subpar weeks in a row. Now defenses seem to have figured out that you got to limit Seattle's big play efficiency and don't let them get downfield with Metcalf. And even Lockett hasn't really had many big plays lately either. I think I I'm pretty confident in my under 42 and a half. I know it's a low point point total, but I, I just don't see how these two teams who know each other so well reach that point total in this matchup. Yeah, and to play devil's advocate, I mean, the reason why you would take the Rams, even despite their quarterback situation, is because how fantastic that defense is. The defense is number one in terms of points against scored. They're number one in terms of yards and passing touchdowns. They're number three in terms of rushing yards and number four in terms of rushing touchdowns. Number one in terms of receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. This defense, by all metrics, is top five across the board, except for maybe turnovers. Um, But that's because they stop the play before the quarterback can even have the time to turn the ball over because Aaron Donald is getting another quarterback pressure. I mean, that defense is automatic. 
Who's your defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald or TJ Watt? It's got to so be Aaron close. Donald. For it's me. so close. I mean, though. if you if you look at the way that those players are treated and how valuable Aaron Donald is to the Rams compared compared to TJ Watt and how important he is to the Steelers, I think that Aaron Donald is so crucial to that defense. And Donald that gets the, double coverage every play. Every play, he's doubled or triple. triple. Yeah. And he still led the league in quarterback pressures. Yeah. It's literally incredible. He makes so many disruptive plays. He should be top five or six in MVP voting, in my opinion. Every single year, he should be. And it's just such a quarterback centric league that that won't happen. But the Rams are fantastic in terms of defense, but you're absolutely right. How can you, how can you bet against Russell Wilson in the playoffs? Either Jared Goff or Wolf. I'll hate myself. I'll hate myself. You know, if it's, if the game's tied and there's four minutes left, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, I'm a nervous wreck. You know, I just, I just don't want that. the, The coaching differential between Carroll and McVay it, it's pretty wash. minute, exactly. Um, maybe the slight edge to McVeigh in terms of his offensive scheming, yeah. and he the fact that he he is generally less conservative because, like we said, the cup can only reach a hundred with Pete Carroll. But I don't think that's enough to tip the scales in the favor of the Rams, especially when you consider an injured Goff or a yeah. guy making the second start of his career. Yeah, agreed. I think we're on the same page there. Um, I lean Rams if I had to pick, but more so I'm picking the under 42 and a half. I don't think they get there. All right, let's let's roll into the next matchup. The last Saturday night game, Tampa Bay at Washington. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the hotter teams in the NFL right now. They're the uh, road favorites laying eight and a half points against the Washington football team. The fo- Washington's the first Sub 500 team to make the playoffs since, um, was it the Chargers? The Seahawks? Or Seahawks. The Seahawks, Seahawks Sorry, made it 7-9. Exactly. The Seahawks, I think in 2012, made it 7-9. Did they make the, the Super Bowl that season too? They lost to the Pats, right? Yeah, it was one of the, was it Russ's rookie year? One of the, one of the early seasons for us. Yeah. And uh, Tampa Bay coming into this matchup against Washington, they're third in weighted DVOA. They got a fourth, uh, they got a four win win streak to close out the season. They beat the, the Falcons last week, 44 to 27. Washington, 13th in weighted DVOA on the year, five and two over the last seven, one and two to close out the season. They beat Philadelphia last week in a very, like I mean, that game between Philadelphia was very talked about in, in the media and sports circles. I, I, I thought we weren't going to bring this game up, Ben. I mean, you know how damaging this is. There's a lot oh my of trauma on that one for me. I, yeah, if New York Giants fans didn't already hate the Eagles enough, I mean, really just culminated in the ultimate just hate bomb that between the Eagles and Giants fans. They beat this. They beat the Eagles last week. The Washington football team, twenty to fourteen. I could I don't not even believe- hate Eagles fans because I had friends who are Eagles fans texting me like I'm. So sorry for what my team is doing right now. Like it they felt bad too. Eagles the, fans the felt bad. Room, the locker room felt bad. You saw this. Did you see the statement from Miles Sanders? Nobody like line and nope, like yeah, Zach you could see the, in his possibly yeah. last game, just like standing on the field, just yeah. like yeah. And offensive linemen, offensive linemen can't lie. Like they, they, Jim Ford's already retired. <laughs> he straight up left. He was like, Terrible. I'm done. Yeah, I'm out. I don't understand how. I don't know there. how Doug He's Peterson. Like, I'm out. I don't know how Peterson's got his job already for 2021. I don't understand how that is. Like, just straight up embarrassing what he did. Just spat on the integrity of the game. Really, just you, you brought this up earlier this week, Ben, and I'm totally going to steal your thunder. But you, you said, "Who 
in the history of the NFL has benefited more from a single Super Bowl win and just ridden that credential for the yeah. rest of their career. I, Doug I, Peterson is yeah. living off of that still. Yeah. The Eagles have been such a disappointment. Really just could not believe that he gets so much slack and benefit of the doubt and really just horrendous. You could see the emotions on Kelsey's face hurts on the sideline, look pissed off. Like Carson Wentz is out of there. And and the thing with Carson Wentz is they're, I think they're going to have to release him. They're going to have to waive him and pay that is guaranteed money because nobody's going to trade for that salary at this point, because Coming into this offseason, there's going to be a cap hit, and and there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to try to be try to be uh, shedding salary. Nobody's going to want to take in a quarterback who's you know in the downward trending trajectory, getting paid as much as Carson Wentz is. No one wants well, that contract, especially after when the entire league knows he wants a trade. Exactly, no so leverage. Therefore, there's exactly the Eagles have no leverage. It's like when James Harden requested a trade from the Rockets, and it totally took all the leverage away from the Rockets. Yeah, and it's just, literally the same situation. It's we have such a, star a weird situation on a team that just wants out, and there's just a complete and ir- irreparable damage has been done between them and the, the coaching or ownership in, in uh-huh. either case. In this case, clearly between Wentz and Peterson. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear what Carson Wentz has to say because Peterson c- continues to deny it. But you, there's no way. I don't. I, there's. I mean, obviously, you can't say you can't say that's true publicly. But, you know, you could see the writing on the wall. How can anybody be happy with Doug Peterson? How does he go back next year and regain, you know, the confidence and the support of his players? He lost the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. It makes no sense. It's really the Eagles are a team that is good for the NFL like when they do well, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, I hated it obviously because I'm a I'm a Patriots fan, but it was good for the NFL because they were just such a, a franchise that was beaten down for so long over the course of decades, really, and had some embarrassing occurrences over the course of you know their their years of of losses and and defeat, and yeah, when they won the Super Bowl, like you said. I just can't think of any instance in any sport where a single player or coach was given so much benefit of the doubt and so much credit for one Super Bowl. And yeah. I, I've, I've thought about it. And I just, I really, I can't think about it. like, cause usually when you see someone win a championship, it's because they're great players or they're great coaches. And you know, it, it, it's not a fluke. And this, that Super Bowl season really feels like a fluke at this point. Yeah. And you have to wonder how much impact Frank Reich had. And when he left the Eagles, the Eagles are now, I, I think they're like one of the worst teams in the league and win loss records since that Super Bowl. I think they're like, they're well under 500. I think they're, they got, they got to be one of the worst teams in terms of win loss records since then. Yeah. And I mean, we can talk about the merits of Joe Flacco after his Super Bowl win and how he never lived up to his big contract. But I mean, I, I appreciate the tangent as a Giants fan and, you know, fuck the Eagles, but uh, <laughs> yeah, why we don't we get, get back to the playoff game, That's we got a game. between, between we got, the, Reds, or the Washington football team. I got sidetracked, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and I loved, I loved it. And I egged it on every second of it. <laughs> Go Giants. We got, we got Tampa Bay at Washington. Tampa Bay's they're, they're four and one against the spread and straight up over the last five games. They're on a five game road win streak right now. Their offense has been on a roll in the last three weeks. They face Atlanta twice and Detroit. They're averaging 34.6 points over the last seven games. 
Washington, there's a little bit of uh, information, some unprecedented occurrences for Washington coming into this postseason. Like, we, like I mentioned, they're the first team that's been sub 500 to make the playoffs for a while. One of the few teams in that handful to do it. So the 2010 Seahawks. It was yeah, 2010. 2010. The Washington DVOA info that I wanted to share with listeners was they have the worst DVOA by a playoff team. It's the worst offensive DVOA by a playoff team since 1985. They in this rankings, the, the the Washington football team, they're 32nd in, in offensive DOA. They're the 2020 team. They're negative 21.8% in DB, in 2020 DVOA on offense. Uh, the 2016 Houston Texans were negative 21.1. Uh, 2010 Seahawks, this same team that we're talking about, they were negative 17.8% in DVOA on offense. The Kansas City Chiefs in 1986, negative 17.2%. The 2005 Chicago Bears and the 1990 New Orleans Saints all on this on this list, but culminates in this Washington football team in 2020 that has one of the most atrocious offenses to ever make the postseason. And it's that reflection of how poor the NFC East division was. I mean, really, if the New York Giants made it, they weren't any better, really. And it's, it's just we were it's way crazy. better. Come on. <laughs> They're they're one of three playoff teams this season that didn't finish in the top 12 on offense in DVOA. The other two teams were Pittsburgh and Chicago. But, I mean, obviously, like I said, they're the worst-ranked offense in defensive. uh, I think it's defensive value over average. Um, Washington's defensive DVOA is even worse in games that Alex Smith has started this year. They're in weeks 10 through 14 with Smith, and then week 17 with Smith, they're negative 22.5%. So even worse with Alex Smith behind quarterback, you'd think they'd be an improvement, but it's not. And they have the biggest gap between their, they have the fourth biggest gap between offense and defense in their DVOA rankings on this list. You got 2013 San Diego chargers. They were second in offense, 32nd in defense, 2017 Patriots. They were first in offense, 31st in defense, the 2002 Kansas city chiefs, First in offense, thirty-first in defense, and then twenty-twenty Washington, thirty-two on offense, third in defense. Crazy. This is, I mean, really the discrepancy between their offense and their defense is incredible. Um, but do you think that this defense can keep the, the the Washington football team in the game? Do you think that they're going to keep it close? How do you think this is going to play out? I, I think a lot of analysts right now are looking at this game and they're saying. This is easy, easy Tampa Bay. Now, let me make the case for Washington. Do I believe it? Maybe, but I'll make the case. (laughs) Let's go. So Washington's strength is clearly their running game. Antonio Gibson was one of the best rookies this season when healthy and when given the workload. Now, you mentioned stats for Alex Smith. Alex Smith started the second half of the season, which just so happened to coincide with when Antonio Gibson had a turf toe and missed multiple games. So that's going to hamper their offense significantly. That's going to lead to a lot of pass attempts to J.D. McKissick, who is very inefficient. Additionally, Terry McLaurin also missed a game or two at the end of the season. Um, And he was much less effective because they didn't have an effective play action or passing game. We also saw the explosion of Logan Thomas in the second half of the season. So given that they're going to have Alex... um, Alex Smith, and they're going to have Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson all healthy for this game. 
this offense could cause some problems. Now, Tampa Bay is clearly going to create a lot of pressure, and Alex Smith is Can't not move. mobile. And Can't move. His good leg is the injured leg at this point. <laughs> the 17 surgery leg is his good leg, which is very scary. So, yeah, I think Tampa Bay wins this game. But I think there is, if you're a Washington football team fan, there are reasons to be optimistic that the way their offense has been playing lately is not as good as their offense could be in this game. Knowing that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the most variable teams game to game during the season as well, which is why if the Giants had made the playoffs, I was pretty excited for the rematch between Giants and Brady. Yeah. You know? Tampa Bay seems to be one of those teams that could make it to the Super Bowl or think could lose that. round one. I didn't even think about that. That would have been nice. I'd have been, I would like to see I'm that. I'm sure the NFL was pulling their hair out when the Eagles started tanking because that's the matchup they wanted to see as well. Yeah. Out, of, out of any of the NFC East teams, the Bucks giants was easily the most interesting uh, uh, storyline. Yeah. That makes sense. I'd agree. This game is really tough to find value on from a gambling perspective. And so really <laughs> what I did here was I just, I want to come out of Saturday in the positive and I feel, I feel like it's a can't lose bet to tease Buffalo and Tampa Bay. So I'll tease Buffalo down to six. I mean, to uh, minus half a point. So they just got to win the game and I'll tease Tampa Bay to minus two and a half. And I think that that's going to give me, you know, it's going to give me almost an automatic win. Um, and it's not going to pay out great, but I just want to come out of these, these three Saturday games in the positive in the green. So really that's what my thought on, on this game is, but I, I have a hard time picking Tampa Bay minus eight and a half because for all those reasons, I mean, Washington's offense, I, I don't have any confidence in them. I don't think that they're going to have a great game, but the defense, you can't deny they're really, really good. And if you want to take to come in this league, like I can't wait yeah. to watch the rest of this guy's career. Yeah. That he wants Brady. Did you yeah, hear that him was call awesome. him out? <laughs> when Ron Rivera, I saw Ron Rivera, Brady. I saw Rivera on, I think first take this morning. And he was saying like, well, you know, he was like, Oh, here we go. Like, I don't know if you want this, but then, you know, it the way he put it was, you know, Chase Young is a very young man and he's watched Tom Brady throughout his childhood and he's playing, he considers Tom Brady the greatest of all time. And he, he wants to play the best all the time. He will be, he'll be able to tell his kids, you know, I played against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Be the best. You got to beat the best. Yeah. So really I'm sure he wants to sack Brady cool to a lot this weekend. So like, <laughs> honestly, if you're looking for a player prop on Washington in, in your worry about Washington defense, but you think Chase Young's going to have a good game. I mean, I, I would be fine taking him for a couple yeah. of sacks. Yeah. If you take Tampa Bay minus eight and a half, I think you might as well parlay it with the over 45 to get some value on that. Um, Cause I, I think that if Tampa Bay co- uh, covers that big spread, I think that Washington's going to end up having to throw the ball a lot in the second half. Uh, Washington is a, is a big second half as te- is, is a big second half team. They're com- they've scored 65 more points in the second half this year than the first half. That's second behind Minnesota and the difference between there. So also, Tampa Bay ranks third in pass rate, 61.6%, and Washington is 11th, 57.2%. So they both throw the ball a decent amount. I think Washington might fall behind in the first half pretty heavily and then have to throw the ball a lot in the second half. Kind of bodes well for the over there. Um, but my thoughts with Tampa Bay is 
I think that this game, if I have to pick this eight and a half spread, I honestly lean Washington plus eight and a half. And I think that the total goes under. Cause I think what's going to happen is Tampa Bay is just kind of try to win this game and they're not going to be worried about blowing them out because they want Tom Brady to stay healthy. They want Gronk to stay healthy. They want, they they're looking ahead. They, you know, they want to win a Super Bowl, and that's Tom Brady. You know, that's his MO. He, he's just so geared to win it all. And he knows what it takes. He knows kind of the load management tricks of the NFL. He's mastered how to stay healthy and how to just kind of get by and make it to that big game to really lay it out on the, all on the line in that, in that one big game at the end. And I think that's what I think right now I'm leaning. If I have to pick the eight and a half spread, I'll lean Washington to cover it. But, you know, like I said, I'm staying away from any picks on that eight and a half line. I'll, I'll tease it down to Tampa Bay minus two and a half. Cause I think they win this game, but I don't, I don't think they win this game by more than eight, by more than eight points. Yeah, I think what's interesting here is the, the level of variance in terms of the outcomes that are possible from this game, especially because we've seen how great Tampa Bay can be and how bad they can be. And we've also seen Washington put up fantastic defensive yeah, performances, but totally. also shit the bed at the same time. And so, like you said, I think this is more of a game where you, you don't lay all your chips on the table and you kind mm. of play conservatively because there is a wide variance of outcomes. Now, when looking at Washington defense, they, they they were, what were they? They were number four on the season in terms of points surrendered, but they were also number two in terms of past and receiving yards surrendered. So if you consider the strength of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is clearly the passing game that goes right against the strength of the Washington Redskins, which is their past defense. They're not nearly as good against the run. Now they're above average against the run as well, but that is the weakness of the Bucs. When you consider Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, these are not the best running backs in the league and the Bucs have been much better when passing on first down when they play a more aggressive offense, but that plays right into what Washington wants because they get after the quarterback. They'll get, they're going to get after Tom Brady and they want him to hold the ball and hopefully look for Antonio Brown 40 yards down the field, because that's going to give their D line a chance to get after him. And I think this game is going to be really interesting. I think the bucks win, but the eight and a half line has me worried. So I think you're absolutely right. I want to tease that one down and I want to feel good about it. Yeah. If you want to find some sort of value to get like a big payout on this game, I think that it's a possibility that Tampa Bay just completely blows Washington out of the water and makes a statement, you know, we're Super Bowl contenders. We're the team that you got to worry about this in the NFC. And I think that it's possible you could please them to like Tampa Bay minus like 14, 14 and a half and just get good payout on that. Cause I think that's a possibility. But like I said, Mm -hmm. for all these reasons you're talking about, I just don't, I don't think that happens, but that's definitely, like you said, there's so much variance in this game that Tampa Bay could just come out and just dominate, absolutely dominate and wipe the floor with them and, and win by, you know, double digits and win by like 20 points or something like that. Yeah. You almost want to, parlay the over in a Tampa Bay win by like 14 or the under in a Tampa Bay win by like three. Yeah. And you don't really want to just bet the spread because an eight and a half point spread is kind of no man's land. I'm I'm on the same page with you there. All right. That's a good, that's a good analysis for that game. Let's roll into the next one. Baltimore at Tennessee, the Ravens heading into Tennessee as the uh, the road favorites, they're laying three and a half points in most uh, gambling sites right now. I've seen it at minus three and minus three and a half. 
Um, the over-under line is 55. Baltimore, their seventh in weighted DVOA on the year. They got a five-win win streak going on right now. They beat Cincinnati last week 38-3 to in a dominating performance. The Titans, they're 12th in weighted DVOA right now. Three and two over the last five games straight up. They beat the Houston Texans last week in a shootout, 41 to 38. Some this is one of the most unpredictable games of the week for me, in my opinion. And it's a rematch uh, from the divisional round matchup last season where Tennessee beat upset Baltimore 28 to 12. Everybody had Baltimore in that game. You know, everybody was on the, the Lamar Jackson hype train thinking he even just won his MVP award. And then Derrick Henry ran all over Baltimore in this game. They had he had 30 rushes. 195 yards, including a 66 yard, and he threw for a touchdown. Even Tannehill, he didn't he didn't have to throw much in that game. I think he was like seven for 14. Um, and the Titans scored first in that game, and they never looked back. Baltimore had three turnovers. Lamar had two interceptions and one fumble, and that was really just Lamar's first you know dip in the toe in the playoff waters. And then Tennessee. Earlier in the season, they beat Baltimore in that overtime game. If you remember, Derrick Henry had the walk-off 29-yard touchdown rush in overtime. And they, the, the Titans beat the Ravens 30-24 in that overtime Week 11 matchup. Baltimore on the year over the last six games, they're 6-0 and against the spread. So Baltimore beating up on these lousy teams they've been facing, and rightfully so. I mean, that's what good teams do. They beat the bad teams, and they beat them convincingly. And the Ravens... They're 12 and two straight up in their last 14 road games, but they're two and four straight up over the last six games against Tennessee. So the Titans kind of have the Ravens numbers. Do you think that the Titans can pull off the upset here in this game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, considering the fact that they beat them earlier in the year, and you also consider the strengths of the Ravens compared to the strengths of the Titans, the Ravens are a fantastic rushing offense. And number the one rushing defense rate. is horrible against the pass. Yeah. So if you're going to beat the Titans, you want to be able to pass all over them. Yeah. That is not the strength of the Ravens. That is not the strength of Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Lamar Jackson has been playing better as of late, but he's also been beating up against bad teams and doing it on the ground. He's not been yeah. doing it through the air. So, yeah, I mean, is the Titans run D any good? It's pretty average. Yeah. Baltimore ranks defense is bad. Baltimore's so I don't first, think well, they're first in rush rate, 56%. But like you said, Tennessee's, their 29th ranked defense is better against the rush. They're 16th in, against the rush, and they're 30th against the pass. So like you said, the mm-hmm. big key is whether or not Baltimore is able to run the ball effectively. Yeah, and then if you if you're looking at the offensive stats of the Baltimore Ravens as well, I mean their their passing is just very bad in terms of their completions. They're 32nd in terms of yards. They're 32nd, so they're literally the worst in the league in terms of their passing. So their offensive strength does not match up with the defensive weakness of the other team, and vice versa. So it's a tough game to say, like, yeah, well, the Ravens, they've just been crushing it lately, but but it's still not a good matchup for them in the end. And we know that the Ravens haven't been very good against the run. They've been better against the pass. And, well, what is the what do the Titans like to do? I mean, they have freaking Derrick Henry, who led the league in rushing and went over 2,000 yards the Ravens. again. He owns them. He does. And so I could easily see the game script going in terms of Derrick Henry's favor. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the Ravens are hot, but... Honestly, I'm kind of leaning the Titans well, just because of the way the matchup leans. Yeah, the Ravens do have Clay's Campbell, who they did not have in week 11. They'll have Campbell in this in this matchup. He's their best player on defense, effect, uh, essentially. And um, it's, this is, one of, like I said, one of the more unpredictable matchups. And Baltimore's strength of schedule has been really weak down the stretch. 
they 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 did what good teams, like I said, they did what good teams are supposed to do. They when they play bad teams, they beat up on the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. That's four of their last five games. Cleveland was the other of the five. They have they beat up on those four teams by a combined 92 points, average margin of victory of 23 points in those four games that I mentioned, Cowboys, Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals. And what's funny is if you look at the Browns game, a game where they had a lot of trouble stopping the Browns. Yeah, that game was a shootout. The strength of the Browns is their running game, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt went crazy. Yeah. I think both we I had Nick Chubb and you had Kareem Hunt. And while I needed literally two points more from Nick Chubb, he still had an amazing game. I think it was a hundred yards and two touchdowns and Kareem Hunt also went out of this world. Yeah. I think that is the game that the Titans want to play. They want to run the ball just like the Browns did when they went toe to toe with them. And the question yeah. is, can Lamar pass enough against this Titans defense to be able yeah. to score the ball? I think and he has looked better. Marquise Brown has been playing better as well. Caught a couple touchdowns last week. It's possible, but mm. I still, I still lean the Titans and, and their experience. I, I like Vrabel. I like Tannehill. Tana, I mean, they had a, a deeper run last year in the playoffs when everybody thought it was going to be the Ravens again. Yeah. I think that what's nice here is, if you if you lean one way or the other, the Titans or the Ravens, I think it correlates to an over under as well. Because if the Titans win, I think they want to win in a shootout where they want to win. And I think the over over 55 and Titans plus three and a half is a good pick because I think that there's value in, in combining those two because the Titans are going to score a lot of points because, like yep. we said, this defense sucks. Like they're not going to be able to hold the Ravens back for that long. And the, t- the Ravens are going to score their points. And so if the Titans win this game, they're going to score like 40 points almost, 30, at least in the 30s. And if the Ravens win, they're going to run the ball. They're going to keep the time, the clock moving and it's going to hit the under, I think, under 55. So if you pick the Ravens, Minus three and a half. I also like the under 55 points. Um, but here's my pick for this game. And I, and I honestly, I really like this one is Baltimore minus two and a half in the first half. Um, Baltimore is they're, they're a first half team. Baltimore has scored 62 more points in the first half uh, in the first half this season. And then the second half. So 62 more points between the first and second quarters than the third and fourth. Uh, so third highest total between uh, behind Green Bay and Indianapolis, by the way. So Packers and Colts are also first half teams. The thing with Baltimore is it's why I, I don't want to pick them minus three and a half for the game is because, like you said, I think Tennessee, Derek, I'm so worried about Derrick Henry completely wearing down Baltimore in the second half because nobody wants to tackle Derrick Henry in January. We saw it last year. The dude's a massive beast. Like he just it's crazy how well he runs and how. He just defenders bounce off him despite he runs with his pad, his pad height. People talk about this a lot in football. You want your pads to be low. Typically Derrick Henry pad level is high. He runs up upright and he runs high and he's just such a big human being that he's able to just completely bounce defenders and, and use his stiff arm effectively. Like the guy's strong all the way through, you know, yeah. he, he's a guy who doesn't skip leg day either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And so like, I'm staying away from this, picking this matchup outright as it seems to be, in my opinion, the closest game of wildcard weekend, but it, I honestly, I might lean towards, like I said, Baltimore minus two in the first half. And then I might lean towards just betting the first team who scores scores wins this game. So if, or because I think if the Titans score first on a touchdown or something, they're going to be able to maintain the clock with Derrick Henry throughout the entire game. Derrick Henry mm-hmm. expect him to have like 30 carries in this one. 
the the reason I feel more comfortable taking the Titans is because I think there are a few different game scripts that we could see happening. And I think because of how bad the Titans defense is, I could see the Ravens getting out to a big lead in the first half and running the ball down and winning the game. Sure. Okay, fine. Okay, what about the, if the Titans get out to a big lead and the Ravens come back? I don't think so. But if the Ravens get out to a big lead, I think the Titans can come back. So two out of those three... I think the Titans could possibly win. I think there's really only one scenario where the Ravens win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because I don't think behind at all. I don't think they're coming back. Yeah, because I I think when you know Lamar's going to throw, when you know Lamar's going to throw, that's when he struggles. Because you game plan for it, and he does not get the benefit of what the rushing game provides in terms of opening up the passing game. Absolutely, and that's why they've been such a bad second half team. Yeah. Because they become very predictable, especially when they get down. You know they have to pass, and they cannot pass. Yeah, yeah. So my my pick here, like I said, Baltimore minus two and a half in the first half. But I on the game, I lean Tennessee plus three and a half. I was leaning the Ravens before talking to you, and honestly, talking through the podcast, I'm probably taking the Titans based on everything I've said and based on just what where the <laughs> stats have led me. I you know I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean for it to go this way. I, I convinced you. I convinced you. I got you to jump <laughs> off your your stance there. Um, let me ask you this. So one thing that's interesting, I've seen, obviously, with the end of the fantasy season, I've seen a lot of uh, 2021 or too early rankings, like just people starting to, you know, rank their next year players. I've seen Derrick Henry. Why is it that every year that we continue to think that Derrick Henry is just going to fall off? And I, I understand it's unprecedented how much workload he's gotten. I think it's like, what, 300 plus carries over the last two seasons each so he's got like 600 carries or plus combined between the last two seasons. But the guy is just Wait, built different. He hasn't even been dinged up at all. I it's know. Like he, he has never even had like a questionable tag. The past why isn't season. he first? Why, is it, why isn't he first in, in fantasy rankings? Like he, I've seen him like mostly a rider hovering around the five, the fifth That's rank. That's what it is. Yeah, I can see that. He he gets game scripted out if they get down too big, and then they bring in Blazin game or previously Deion Lewis for the second half, and that's the only reason. But there's so much safety in knowing you have a player that has a guaranteed workload in terms of carries, is supremely effective, has that high of an upside, and does not get hurt. Yeah. CMC, Camara. Barkley, they've all had injury history. We've seen ineffectiveness this season from Zeke. Dalvin Cook, two years in a row, his rookie season in the year after. You know, he he missed the weeks 15 and 16. So he literally, uh, two years ago, he brought you all the way there, and then he just didn't play. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is a guy you can count on all season long. Now, his lows are going to be a little bit lower because he doesn't have that passing game. But with the guaranteed work, I mean, he's one of the safest – safest running back plays he's been top three the past two seasons and yet websites consistently rank him outside Mm. of that if i am drafting today i am probably only taking alvin Kamara, Dalvin cook and maybe cmc over him but i'm worried about the injuries especially the ineffectiveness we saw from saquon barkley and the giants and the injury uh i'm not going to go there you know yeah who, who else are you taking over on chubb or eckler well chubb you you have a handcuff problem eckler was definitely used a lot less with balage and justin jackson emerging this year so i mean i don't know why people are so down on derrick henry yeah i i just it 
it feels like people anticipate the fall off coming, but it's impossible to know when it's going to be there because I mean, just like Tom Brady, 43 years old, he continues to, you know, push, push, keep father time off and keep the injury bug right. off. And there's just something different about these types of athletes. And Derek Henry's one of them that, you know, he's, I mean, obviously very different than Tom Brady, but you know, one of those guys that just clearly has something figured out with how he keeps his body, right. How he stays healthy and how he stays on the football field. And the guy it's unprecedented the amount of work and efficiency he's gotten in the last two years that, you know, people think that the fall off's coming, but I, I don't know if it is, you know, that guy is just built different. He, how, I don't know how we're the same species as that man. Yeah. I mean, I wish we had a two chains drop right now because I would play that because yeah, that man is different. <laughs> Derek Henry is special and I would love to have him on my fantasy team next year. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Let's roll into the next matchup here. Wildcard week. We've got two games left. Chicago Bears facing off against the New Orleans Saints. Saints are at home in the Superdome. They're the favorites, obviously, in this game. Minus 10. I've seen the spread. I've seen it at minus 9.5 a little bit. I think it's getting bet up to minus 10 now. The Saints uh, are uh, big favorites in this one. The over-under point total, 47. So the Bears, they're 15th in weighted DVOA right now on the year. Three and three over their last six games, three and seven straight up over their last 10. They lost to the Green Bay Packers last week, 16 to 35. Just able to sneak in with an 8 record into the playoffs. New Orleans Saints, they're second in weighted DVOA. They're two and two straight up over their last four games. They won 11 of their last 13 games, though, and they beat the Carolina Panthers 33 to seven last week. I wish that I bet the Saints minus seven and a half or minus like seven before this game jumped because I think early in the, the week sharps were there too yeah, fast, man. It, this game, when it opened up, I believe after the last week was, I think minus seven and a half saints. And that's right where I would take it. You know, I would take my, I would gladly take the saints minus seven and a half, but you know, this minus 10 t- spread has me very wary. Um, these two teams also, by the way, fa- they faced off against each other earlier in the year. And on November 1st, that's week eight. They were in Chicago in this game. New Orleans won in overtime, 26 to 23. So Foles that was the weird Foles yeah. Trubisky game, wasn't it, where he replaced him at halftime? No, no, no. That Foles, uh, he, Trubisky replaced him in week, uh, I have it right here, week three. Yeah, Foles replaced him in week three. Foles played from week three. 50, he played 52% of the snaps in week three, and then he played basically 100% of the snaps through week 10. Um, but Foles was still the QB, um, for the bears in this game. He actually had a good game against the saints. He went 28 for 41, not at the great completion, not a great completion percentage, but he had 272 yards, two touchdowns and one pick breeze had a good game, 31 for 41, 280 yards, two touchdowns. He had 109.8 QB rating. Kamara ran for 67 yards on 12 rushes, but he also had nine catches for 96 yards. So he, he had a great game in his own right. Um, David Montgomery ran for 20. He had 21 carries, 89 yards. He's really come on of late. He's been the story of the Chicago bears closing of the, of the season. And Allen Robinson in that matchup against the saints, he had six catches, 87 yards and a touchdown. The saints won the time of possession battle in that game by just about two minutes, 35 minutes uh 15 seconds they had the ball the bears had the ball 33 minutes nine seconds and so um uh, i just i i don't i don't know that i can make a pick on this spread do you do you are, are you willing to take this minus 10 because i don't see how you could take the bears in this game because the saints are just obviously the better team obviously 
So the the case for taking the Saints in this one is they have a healthy Drew Brees back again, and, and Brees has been much better than Taysom Hill for this offense. Michael Thomas is back this game. He he they put him on the three week IR just to get him healthy for the playoffs because they knew they were going to be in the playoffs and they wanted him there. Um, earlier in the season, Emmanuel Sanders did not play against Chicago. He, you know he had uh, you know what was it a five hundred thousand dollar catch? Last yeah, week that was cool. He had eight receptions. So it's cool when you see that you know, stuff. Oh, I loved it. It humanized me so much to see a multimillionaire celebrate getting more money because I know I do the same thing when my bonus (laughs) comes around or my my evaluation comes around. And I'm like, did I hit the stats that I needed to get the money? And, you know, to see him celebrate and do, you know, an angel on the field too was pretty awesome. So, yeah, Sanders is a fantastic player as well. So when you consider that they're going to get Michael Thomas and Sanders back, yeah, is that worth seven points? I would say those two probably are considering they won earlier in the season by three. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's your case right there for the minus 10, but minus 10 is a big line. Chicago big line. was one of the hottest teams over the second half of the season. When you look at their offense, they also had, they also played one of the worst schedules at the same time. And they really took advantage of some bad teams and put up a lot of points. So I'm not sure if Trubisky really is the truth. I, I I'm going to lean I'm going to lean the saints. And if I'm going to bet this game, I'm going to look to tease it down and maybe yeah. parlay it with another game. What about and doing I a three team teaser with that it. one I mentioned before? So what about bills at Pickham, Buccaneers at minus two, new Orleans saints, minus four. I put it, you put in a $25 ticket, you get about $42 back. I think that's a decent bet. Yeah. I love that. I think that makes me a lot more comfortable about the bucks line, which is a big line and the saints line. And, you know, we felt good about the bills game where it was. So, yeah. All right, so we got some some um, some gambling trends here for this matchup. Just a note: five of Chicago's last six games have gone over on the point total, uh, but six of New Orleans' last nine games have gone under. So four, uh, also four of New Orleans' last five games played in January have gone under. So those are mostly playoff games. The Bears are two and four against the spread over their last six games against the Saints. They're zero and six straight up. The Chicago Bears are 7-1 against the spread in their last eight games against NFC South opponents. Um, some injury notes here. The Al- Alvin Kamara is not practicing after testing positive for COVID last week, but he has been watching practice film and participating virtually with the team in practices, kind of following along through Zoom. Uh, not certain how or if he will um, it, how or if this will affect him and, and how he plays, if he actually plays or if he suits up. It sounds like the Saints are optimistic about his chances, but we'll see there. Um, David Montgomery, like I mentioned earlier, has been just a revelation for the Bears down the stretch. He's averaging just barely 100 yards per game over their last six contests, and he has uh, he has seven t- touchdowns over the last five games. He's also been involved in the passing game, 24 receptions for 226 yards and a touchdown over the last six contests. Honestly, the big X factor here, whether or not the Bears can cover this spread, is, is the run game because New Orleans is ranked second in rush DVOA, and the Bears have relied heavily on Montgomery's success in down the stretch. Um, and in games where the Bears have faced defenses with rush DVOA ranks in the top ten, that's Indianapolis in Week Four, Tampa Bay in Week Five, the Rams in Week Seven, and the Saints um, in Week Eight. Like I mentioned, those are teams ranked um, against the rush DVOA in the top ten. The Bears have averaged 52 rushing yards per game. And you remove the Saints game, like Montgomery ran for 96 yards in that Saints game in week eight. You remove that one, um, 
because the Saints, remember the Saints defense started the season very mediocre. They were the first half of the year. They were not a good defense and they've been elite in the second half. Um, and the Bears have averaged in those other uh, and against the other teams that I mentioned, 37.33 yards per game against those other three elite rush defenses. And so we'll see. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. With So you put the you put the ball into the hands of Mitch Trubisky. I don't, I look, Trubisky's played well. And I got some stats to, to list off here that tr- suggest Trubisky has actually been pretty beneficial for the Chicago offense. But, you know, you have to wonder whether or not, what other factors are, are contributing to that because they've played some weak teams. They, Montgomery's been a great running back for them. The running game, like I said, has been great. You wonder how effective Trubisky is going to be able to be against a, an elite defense like the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they they played Detroit twice in the end of the season, didn't they? I mean, yeah. that's going to boost anybody's stats like crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in games where the Bears have failed to reach the 100-yard mark this year, they've gone 2-5 and five straight up. That's weeks 4 through 10. They, did, they didn't reach 100 yards. So, in the games where they do reach 100 yards, they're 6-3. and three. And so that's an interesting, like the hundred yard mark seems to be a benchmark for success for the bears. And so they're, they're going to need to run the ball and the saints, like I said, second in rush TV away. I don't know that they're going to be able to saints have allowed a hundred yards or more in just five games this year. they are two and three in those games. Um, that's Las Vegas, the chargers, the Denver Broncos, Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas city chiefs. The saints allowed an average of 93.88 rush yards per game to opponents this year, but you take away the Philadelphia Eagles game where they allowed 246 yards. It really boosts that total because yeah. you remove that game. It's 83.73 yards per game on allowed on the, on the ground. So, and, and the difficult part about that game was that well, that was Jalen hurts, like first or exactly, second game. Exactly. So they really didn't know off guard. what the Eagles were going to do in terms of an offensive game plan. The saints hadn't given up a, a 100 yard rusher. So not a hundred yards in the game as a team, but a hundred yard rusher before that game for the entire season too. And then they gave up one to miles Sanders and hurts in that game. But again, we're talking about a team that did not know what the offensive game plan was going to be. We know what the Bears want to do, and that's to make David Montgomery their everything man because they do not trust the truth. Trubisky yeah. at quarterback, and MVP, I don't trust MVP him. Bitch. I don't trust him against Drew Brees either, or or mm. Sean Payton and the Saints. And you know Matt Nagy's done some weird stuff at, as the yeah. Chicago Bears head coach. He, you know, he, if, if the Bears utilized Tariq Cohen, and yeah. he, he hasn't used Allen Robinson enough in previous seasons. So yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily trust the staff. I don't trust this quarterback, and I don't trust this team. And, mm. and and if there's a team that's going to lose in a fashion that's just ridiculous, like kicking a field goal and having it go off every single bar of the uprights, it's going to be the Bears. So give me the Saints. And again, we're talking. Let's 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 push that point total down and let let's move that line against the spread a little bit down and tease it. Yeah. If anything, I'm taking the over 47 as well. I think that I think that Chicago's offense. You could we could say all we want that you know they they. Um, the New Orleans Saints, they have the work cut out for them against the Saints defense. But um, I, I still think that the Saints offense is going to come and and try to, you know, roll in this first wild card weekend matchup. Um, but whether or not Chicago covers this point spread, I think is going to rely heavily on whether or not Mitch Trubisky and the Bears turn the ball over. If Mitch doesn't turn the ball over or at least limits the damage that turnovers have in this game, then I think Chicago can can cover the spread. And I, and I think Chicago is really desperate to keep this game close because you know, some of these coaches and players are on the hot seat. Like Matt Nagy, if they get absolutely blown out of the water by the Saints, he he's in danger of losing his job. 
at this point. And, and he and Mitch Trubisky might not get another job, starting quarterback job if if he plays like shit in this game too. So really, this, this the Bears. Ha- I mean, obviously, you don't need any motivation factor for a playoff game, but the Bears are uber motivated to you know they they got to keep this game close. They can't get blown out. They can't get blown out. So. They, I, I, like I said, this, this point spread is really tough for me. New Orleans minus nine and a half minus 10. That's really tough for me to pick. I'll either tease it down or I'll take the over 47. Yeah. And I think some people might be saying, Ben, the over you're crazy. It's the bears and saints. The bears have an amazing defense. And so do the saints They're clearly yeah. to be the under, but if you look at the Bears' stats, they're actually not that good of a defense this year. They're number 14 in terms of points scored against. So by by that metric, they're extremely average. Yeah, and the to me. have a very much above average offense, as well as the Bears, if you look at the second half of their season. So if you consider that impact, yeah, then the over actually does seem to make a little bit more sense. And maybe Vegas, in this sense, is overweighting the reputation of the Chicago Bears because their performance has not shown that. Yeah, I like that. That's a good point. And Chicago's offense, I mentioned earlier. So, I mean, the the Foles experiment experiment in this season was atrocious for the Chicago Bears. You look at the difference between the offense efficiency when Foles was, was behind quarterback, was behind center at quarterback, and then when Trubisky was, it, it's it's drastic. So you look at the performances week three through 10 when Foles was quarterback. Foles got, like I said, 52% of the snaps in week three, but then got 100 or near 100% of the snaps weeks four through 10. So you look at those games, the average expected point value for the Chicago offense was negative 5.83, negative 46.64 total between those weeks. You look at the weeks when Mitch is at, is behind center at quarterback weeks one, two, and then 12 through 17 Chicago's offense has an average of 11.14 expected value on offense. Uh, and told that's 89.12. That's a drastic difference. And so you could say all you want about Trubisky, but he makes his offense roll a little bit better, at least better than Foles. And the, the offense has been playing better down the stretch. I mean, like we said, weaker opponents, you wonder how much, you, how effective Montgomery is going to be able to be on the ground against the Saints defense. But still, it, those are encouraging stats for the over here. And then New Orleans, like we said earlier, I mean, Michael Thomas is going to play in this one. He's been out for a lot of the games in their season. Uh, and then Breeze kind of getting further removed from this rib injury. I mean, that's important. And the Saints are way better with Drew Brees behind center as well. They have an average of 13.096 expected value on offense with Breeze at, at quarterback. And then with Hill at quarterback, they were averaging 7.52 in expected value. So that's a big difference as well. Breeze just got to get, get healthier, keep, keep the machine rolling. I think, if I have to pick at that spread, you know, I actually kind of lean Chicago to cover it. Cause like I said, I think they got to, they really have to keep this game close, but I just, I can't pick, I can't pick that because but the bears are just not the, they're just the inferior team in every, every way, shape or form. They're inferior to the New Orleans saints. And I think the saints are going to be a, a Super Bowl sleeper possibly. Yeah, and I mean, we have seen the development of some of the um, auxiliary pieces on the Bears when it comes to like Darnell Mooney and uh, Cole Komet on the offense, where guys have stepped up and played bigger roles during the second half of the season as it did and, and play better. Um, another thing to note when you're considering um, the defensive performance of the Bears, uh, when your offense is scoring a lot fewer points, the other team against you 
is likely taking their foot off the gas pedal because they don't need to score as many points to beat you. So when the bears offense with Nick Foles didn't pose any threat and wasn't pushing the other team, well, it makes it a lot easier for the bears defense to keep the other team in check because they're likely just going to run the ball out. So you have a lower performing offense that kind of leads to a higher performing defense. Some, sometimes let's be, let's be clear if it's a losing team, but um, it all depends on time of possession, obviously. But I think that's certainly the, the case here for the bears where the offense is performing worse, making the defense look better because other teams didn't need to score as much. Once you started to see the offense perform better, the second half of the season, other teams started needing to air it out in the second half, just to try and keep up, which pushes us more towards, Towards the over in this game. Good point. I like it. All right, let's roll into the next matchup. We had some good advice there, I thought. All right, let's go into the last one of wildcard weekend, Sunday night football. Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. Steelers are the favorites. This line keeps moving up. The minus six on the Steelers, the 47 and a half over under point total. The Browns are 18th in weighted DVOA, two and two straight up over the last four games, six and two over the last eight, though. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, 24 to 22. Steelers are 10th in weighted DVOA, one and four over the last four games, despite, uh, I mean, after, you know, going, was it 11 and 0, um, and d- leading into that that loss that they had against the, the uh, Redskins, but, or the Washington football team, excuse me. Um, but they lost to the, I did the Browns. earlier in the pod, don't worry. They lost to the, the Browns last week, like I said, 22 to 24. Um, they had these two teams had two prior matchups on the year week six, the Steelers dominated the Browns 38 to seven. And then, like we said last week, 22 to 24 Browns. Um, this is my probably my best bet of the week for a lot of reasons, but I'm picking Pittsburgh. You can, this line can't, you could give me even minus like minus seven and I'll still take Pittsburgh. I think they're going to dominate this one. And this it, I, honestly, I, I wanted to root for the Browns in this game before, you know, everything started to kind of go down this week with the, the Browns really having a lot of issues with COVID and COVID breakouts in their, in their offices. But I wanted to, I wanted to like the Browns and the underdog story, but just, I can't, I just think that all signs point to the Steelers dominating this matchup. I mean, the game last week, 22 to 24 was close and it was very worrisome for the Browns because they were playing for their playoff lives. Their season was on the line and the Steelers were playing most of their backups and they had Mason Rudolph at quarterback and Dobbs at quarterback. And the game was still very close. And the Steelers even won the stats. Like the Steelers had 394 total yards and the Browns had 358. Um, Cleveland had the ball for the majority of the time, even 32 minutes, 10 seconds versus Pittsburgh having the ball for 27, 50 seconds, 27 minutes, 50 seconds. So, uh, that means the, the Browns ran for 192 yards and two touchdowns on 31 carries last week. I do not think they're going to be able to do that again this week against the Steelers defense. That's going to be playing all their starters going to be playing with all the motivation in the world. Steelers defense is still fifth in rush defense DVOA. And I, I don't see how Cleveland's going to be able to move the ball well because the Steelers are also first in pressure rate on defense, 32.3% of the time they're getting pressure on the quarterback. Very worrisome for Baker Mayfield, who's notoriously played very poorly against teams that pressure the quarterback well. He, and, and, and then on, on the contrary, he plays very well against teams that give him a lot of time and don't pressure well. So give me all the Pittsburgh stock in this matchup. I mean, the public's kind of fallen out of favor with the Steelers, especially after they're going one and four to close out the year. But I just, I think Pittsburgh can't get, I think they're being undervalued here. Even at minus six, I think that they're just going to be a very difficult team to beat in this playoffs because they're professionals. Big Ben's one of the all-time leading playoff quarterbacks. I think he's like fifth or sixth in all-time playoff yards. And 
I, I, I just don't see how the Browns are going to be able to stay in this game, especially with their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who's a coach of the year candidate and their offensive play caller, who's really manipulated an offense that is perfect for Baker Mayfield, knows his quarterback, knows his teammates, his team very well. I, without Kevin Stefanski on the field on Sunday, I just don't see how they stay in this ballgame. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement with your analysis here and that I, I, I'm all on Pittsburgh. <laughs> The Browns dealing with COVID and the coaching matchup, I mean, it just weights it so much more heavily in Mike Tomlin's favor, who has so much playoff experience, additionally with Big Ben. And then you take into consideration this is Baker's first playoff game and probably the first playoff game for a lot of these Browns. And they're having to deal with in a non-typical preparation week, um, one that they haven't really dealt with all season as well. Yeah. So not just not just a unique game for the context of a playoff game, but even within a COVID season, this is a unique game for this Browns team. Um, so yeah, I, it doesn't feel like enough at minus yeah. six when you consider yeah. the strength of the Pittsburgh Steelers season and yeah. last week and the second half against the Colts, that offense really seemed to open up in terms of their deep shots. Well, did you hear the story? So the offensive coordinator, I can't, I, well, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, um, but the offensive coordinator was calling plays in the first half and Big Ben at halftime. Yeah, yeah, the Colts game. And Big Ben at halftime decided to start calling his own plays. Basically that's what Juju Smith Schuster was saying. Mm -hmm. So big Ben was taking shots down the field. Uh, Randy Fickner. He's, he, I think he's terrible. I think he's awful. You mean short pass Randy. Yeah. He, he's awful off, offensive coordinator. And so big Ben started to kind of take more of the reins uh, for the Steelers. And from all accounts, I mean, you saw on the field, the, their offense was firing on all cylinders against the Colts in the second half. And they came back from that big deficit and completely just, you know, woke up their offense. And I think that we'll, we'll, I, I hope big Ben has a bigger influence on the, the play calling and the play, the offensive scheme this week because um well even in last week's game you could see the impact of big ben's second half because the steelers were using this almost as a test game where they said okay let's see if we can try some stuff with rudolph and dobbs and get this offensive uh going and and they did they took some deep shots and they were successful with their backup players in which gives me even more confidence that they're going to be successful this week with their starters yeah and you know if this game starts to look bad in terms of the Steelers point of view in a playoff matchup. You don't think Ben in the middle of this game is going to yeah. be like, ah, fuck you, Fickner. I'm calling the plays now. <laughs> There's no way he's just going to like bow his head and take the play calls that are coming, especially if they're bad play calls. He's got too much experience and this guy cares way too much about this team and his own reputation. Yeah. Cleveland has real, just happy to be here risk too. Like, you know, this is their first playoff appearance since 2001, I think. And with all the COVID absences, now they have an excuse and they may just, you know, fall down, fall behind early and just accept their fate and, you know, just take a big loss because they, they, might, they were just happy to make the playoffs this year. And now they have an excuse with, with all this COVID outbreak. But also, I mean, did you just see today their Pro Bowl, their Pro Bowl left guard, Joel Batonio, he's out on COVID. He's going to be, he's going to miss the game too. That's a big loss losing your left guard. who's a pro bowler. Like Batonio from all accounts, he's a really, really good guard. And, um, I mean, they also have safety Ronnie Harrison out, linebacker Montreal Meander. They're on the COVID list. Uh, they were placed last Tuesday and – or sorry, today. That was th- Thursday. And then Batonio and receiver Kadero Hodge was placed – they were placed on the COVID list on Tuesday. So, really just – Yeah, and go – All, all signs – I go back all – 
Yeah, if I go all the way back to the medical advice we talked about with our expert, Kevin Newman, he said, you know, the spread and the downside risk is going to be within teams and within their own locker rooms because COVID's all about proximity. So further downside COVID risk completely exists only on the Brown side right now. The external risk factors for the Steelers, the fact that they've had multiple practices and no negative tests is a very good sign that they're going to have a healthy roster going into Sunday's game. Whereas the COVID spread amongst players on the same team, even days apart, is highly likely because of the way that this virus works and the way it spreads. So if you're considering the fact that, all right, it's a minus six line and there's still further downside possible for the Browns. I mean, I don't know how you could pick against them in this matchup unless you really are just that confident in Baker yeah. and Chubb. Yeah. I, I, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is my best bet of the week. Steelers minus six. I, t- I got that at minus five before the line. I think it was at minus four and a half. It opened up at four and a half. I got it at minus five and now it's at minus six. So I, I, I this is, like I said, I can't get any more Pittsburgh Steelers stock than I, than I am getting this week. Um, I also, I also think the Steelers going ahead for the playoffs are also a little bit undervalued. I think that they're, the, like I said, the public's really just gone. They, they've fallen off on the Steelers optimism. They don't want the Steelers. And that's going to be reflected in gambling lines, going to be reflected in, in you know, game schemes. And, and we're, we're going to see the Steelers be, they're going to, I think we're going to see the Steelers show their veteranness and show their, their savviness in the playoffs. I mean, big Ben wants this for his linemen. He wants this for his coach. He wants this for his teammates. Like these young guys, they haven't like Juju Smith and, and Deontay Johnson and Claypool. Like these guys haven't had their playoff runs with big Ben. He, big Ben was very successful early on in his career and he, he had to take a little bit of a break. He had the big injury last year. He, the, the Steelers had a couple down seasons and, you know, big Ben wants to, to get back in the limelight wants to show that he's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I, I think that the public is just too down on the Steelers coming to this postseason. The AFC is stacked with, I think three great teams in the Steelers, the bills and the chiefs. I think these three teams could all make the super bowl this year in the Ravens. Honestly, I mean, I, I think the Ravens beat the Titans, but I, I mean, Tennessee is a good team too. I, I, there's just really good teams on the AFC side and we'll see if the, if the AFC is able to, you know, win the Super Bowl over the NFC. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the it, if we're doing our due diligence here, it's important to bring up that there's clear downside in terms of the Steelers in terms of their running game. And it's been literally the worst in the league. Yeah. They have not been able to get even James snow. Connor James coming Connor back. James Connor going at all. Yeah. So the downside is there if they become too predictable and they just completely become pass heavy to the point where that's, it becomes unsustainable. Yeah, that's where I think they, they don't match up well against the other teams in the AFC that I mentioned because Buffalo and Kansas City particularly have high octane offenses that are going to throw the ball and score a lot of points. And I don't know that the Steelers are going to have an offense that could be able to keep up with them, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think you're, you make a great point. So whereas they might be safe in this game with that downside risk, it might come back to bite them later on in the playoffs. Totally. Do you want to talk about, do you have, do you have a playoff bracket filled out? Do you want to talk I do. about We can talk about it or we can tease maybe a little bit. I don't know if you want to go full bracket and drop it tomorrow with the post. What do you think? <laughs> well, who's your, who's your Super Bowl winner? Who do you have? I, it I still have the Chiefs. I yeah. do. I have the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you, you, you want? You didn't want to get cute with it. I, I do. I, I don't know how you can't. I mean, the Chiefs are the favorite. I give them. I mean, obviously, a very, they're he- very heavy favorites in all of our books. They're, they, they're the team that just like 
they're just it could be fourth and 22 and you still think they're going to convert Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey seem automatic at any point in the game. And Mahomes is an animal. He, he's probably the greatest quarterback talent wise we've ever seen. And I mean, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers when he first came in the league, but this is like Aaron Rodgers 2.0. It's better than when mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers came in almost. And I, I mean, it's, it's interesting how the chiefs kind of play to their opponents. They play to like the significance of the game. And when it comes to the playoffs, they're going to, they're going to be, no holds barred. They're going to be giving it their all. And I think that I, I, the Chiefs got to be the favorites, but I, I I got cute. I wanted to, you know, pick the fan favorites. I wanted to, you know, pick the teams that I want to see there. And I ended up picking Buffalo to upset the, the Chiefs in the AFC Conference Finals. I went Buffalo, Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. And I, I got TB12 kind of taking and winning one more ring number seven, beating passing Jordan. I got him in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl. And I know that you would like that for your pocketbook. You had you had the Buccaneers on a, on a early future bet for the Super Bowl back in like last year at this point, really. Yeah, preseason, I wrote an article about the Bucs. It's still on the All Things Analysis website where I told you guys that 14 to 1 odds was pretty nice. Um, it might have been, and then I probably bet it even higher because it dropped at certain points throughout the season when the Bucks had their lulls. And now they're playing the best they played all season. Brady looks fantastic. This offense is roaring. I'm a little bit worried about Mike Evans' knee injury, but this team looks destined to make a deep run and it looks like Brady made the right decision in terms of leaving the Pats and looks like the Pats got the short end of the stick losing Brady obviously this year and so yeah I actually have the Bucks in the championship as well against the Chiefs but I'm sticking true to the stats and the analysis and literally all season long I have not moved the Chiefs Chiefs from the number one spot in the power rankings and I'm going to stay stay true to that I really but want if to see it, Buffalo and Kansas City face off. I think that game oh, will be I would so love fun. It. That game is going to be so fun if it happens. The thing is, last year, we all wanted to see the Ravens and Chiefs face off and the Titans upset the Ravens. So we know there's going to be some weird upset this year. The question is, where does it happen? And it sounds like for both of us, the upset is the Bucks over Green Bay in round two. I know. And I hate writing off Green Bay like that because Green Bay is awesome this season, but they did, uh, they lose, they lost an offensive lineman who I, I can't remember the name. They lost an offensive lineman uh, last week. He's out for the season now. And um, he, that's a big loss when you lose a lineman this late in the season. And we'll see if it affects them in their week. The, we're not going to see them until next week. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, I, I, I'm really looking forward to that game Packers at green Bay. It's going to be the first Rogers Brady matchup we're going to see in, in the postseason, And it's going to be super exciting. I mean, Rogers and Brady, possibly two of the greatest five quarterbacks all time. And I, I just, I can't wait to see that. I hope, hopefully, I mean, obviously we're all banking on Tampa Bay taking care of business against the, the Steelers. I mean, the, the Washington football team this week, but um, really looking forward to that matchup. And you can't knock the Bucks for being a warm weather team because they got Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. You spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. Like those guys know how to play in the cold. So I don't think that going to Lambeau is going to be that big of a, a difference for what they're accustomed to in their football careers. 
Well, what's interesting is the way that the bracket is set up, we could really have a battle of the old men or a battle of the young guns. You know, we, we could have a case where we have Rogers or Brady, we have Breeze and we have Big Ben all in the semifinals. Or we could go around and have something where we have Mahomes and Lamar and Josh Allen and Goff or Wilson and then, you know, I don't know, whoever the Washington quarterback is at that point. But, you know, it could be really interesting. We're going to see a very different sect of quarterbacks. And we have the old guard with Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, and Big Ben. And then we have the young guns slinging it with Mahomes, Allen, and Jackson. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And let's see if the young guys have really overtaken the old men. And, you know, I guess it's the same debate for the MVP this year with Rodgers and Mahomes as well. All right. So before we wrap up the podcast, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about wildcard weekend and the history of this playoff round. First, the first weekend of the NFL playoffs wildcard weekend, it's known as, let me ask you a question. So can you name five of the, the, the top five most passing yards in a wildcard game? In one game, talking about, and you're not going any, any further back all time, but you have, you're not going further back in 2003. Okay, good, because my knowledge does not extend beyond 2003. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to lean. I, I know the Packers have had some good seasons, but have ended up in the wild card game. So I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. He's number five. Two, in 2010, okay. he, had, he threw for 423 yards. And I know that the Giants have had some teams going up against the Packers in the wild card round. And I'm going to, so I'm going to throw out Eli. He's, I, he's not one. Have. He's not on this list, but he, I think you're right. I think he's high on the. I just, he's got, he's got, I think, I don't know that he ever threw for over 400. So mm-hmm. any, like I said, Rogers is five. So that's the lowest total on this list. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you him. Rogers was one of two quarterbacks that is playing this weekend. Um, or he's not Rogers isn't playing, but he's in the playoffs this year. Yep. Yeah, uh, Big Ben and Breeze would be the other two that come to mind. Breeze is the other. Breeze has the highest. Breeze, Breeze has the highest total ever in a wild card game. 2012, he threw for 400, 466 yards for the Saints. He used to put up some gaudy numbers back yeah. in his day when they were just air it out. Um, maybe Danger Russ. Did he have any big wild card games? No, the Colts play on wild card weekend a lot. So there's a lot of Colts on the, a lot of this stuff. Oh, okay. So Peyton and, and then Luck. Yeah. Yeah. They, is it both of them? Yeah. They're both Peyton's number two, 2005 Colts due for 458 yards. Andrew Luck in 2014 due for 453. The other guy, Kelly Holcomb for the, for the Cleveland Browns in 2003 due for 429 yards. Yeah. Well, who the hell is that then? Yeah. <laughs> you All got right. me with the Colts though. I, Cause you, you snagged two retired players, even though the stats only went back to 2003. I should have thought of Peyton though. Yeah. All right. Most rushing yards in a game. Top five. Can you name any of these guys? One of them is playing this weekend. Just one of them. Um, I'm going to go with Derek Henry then. Yeah. If he's on there. Uh, he's for Peterson. No, he, Henry was four on this list, 2020, last year against the Baltimore Ravens. Like I said, he ran for, I think, 100 and this says 182, but I believe it was 191, I think. I have, mm-hmm. it, I have it listed in our notes here. Ran for 195 yards on 30 carries last year. That's crazy. What, what position does that put him in? That's number one. Number, th- number four. Number four. 
Bowl. He would be. Holy he would be. He would be three on this list. This list is wrong. It's. It's. Uh, he had 195. This is 182. So. Um. I don't think you're LT in there. I'm trying to think of some great running backs. Uh, some of these go pretty far back. Some of these go. I, I don't think you're gonna get these other ones. Lamar Smith, Freeman McNeil, Terrell, da- Terrell Davis, and the Trone Means. Mm. Those are all older guys. That's uh, a tough set. Can you name who has uh, the most receiving yards in the game? There's the, there's, um, there's four guys on this list that I think you should. I mean, there's some of the best receivers. Um, one of them's playing this weekend. And remember, Antonio well, Brown. No. Um, other than that, I want to say like guys like Corral Owens, Ocho Cinco. Ocho Jerry Cinco's Rice. on here. Jerry Rice is on here. You got two of them. Calvin Johnson, 2012 for the Johnson. Lions had had. Uh, oh, you, you hit Ocho Cinco. I was thinking Calvin. I was thinking the other uh, Johnson. Chad Ocho Cinco <laughs> versus yes, Chad Johnson. Calvin Johnson. So Calvin Johnson had 211 yards. Jerry Rice in 2002 for the Raiders had 183 yards. Remember the Colts play a lot of games on wildcard weekend. So Reggie Wayne or Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Reggie Wayne, number three on this list, 220, 221 yards in 2005. Yeah. That makes sense. If you think about the quarterbacks that also went along with those players. Yeah. Who am I missing? What, what team? What, 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 where the are we at? The Colts. Another Colts? Yeah, another Colt guy on Reggie here. Wayne and Mar- Marvin Harrison. It wasn't both of those two. I said one of them is playing. Tory Holt. Where were we? I said one we of them is playing this weekend. Oh, Ty Hilton. Yeah. No. Ty, T.Y. had the second total in 2014 with Andrew Luck. He, he Ty had 224 yards receiving. Crazy game. That's crazy. And you know you forget, like three years ago when Andrew Luck was playing. Ty Hilton was top five in terms of receiving receiving yardage. Yeah. You know, it's a guy who really fell off this year with Philip well, Rivers. Finished the he season. Look good wow. the second half. Yep. Yeah. Second half of the season. He number good. one. Number one on that list. Most receiving yards in a game. Eric Molds for the nineteen ninety nine Bills. Two hundred forty yards receiving in, in a wild card matchup. Guys on their career in the wild card round. Most passing yards. Drew Brees two hundred two thousand twenty three is going to up that total again this week. Brett Favre number two two thousand and eight yards total passing in wild card weekend. Peyton Manning number three nineteen. He had 1,969 yards. Uh, Warren Moon is four. And then Aaron Rodgers, number five, will up the oh, – actually, he's not playing this weekend. He has he has uh, 1,626 yards passing on wild card weekend. Most passing I like touchdowns. these stats a lot. I like it. Ben, you got to send me these, and I'll get these posted on social and see if any of our followers are uh, able to – either if they listen into the pod, they'll have the answers, or if they are real football fanatics, they might be able to get a couple of these guys well, too. Well, you were, you were close with the Antonio Brown guess on the receiving yards because he's number five in career receiving yards on wild card round. He got yeah, and you also told me he was playing this weekend, so of course yeah. I went to AB over Ty Hilton too. Yeah. You know, I mean that's just logical. Reggie, Reggie Wayne has the most. Urban Givings second. Ty Hilton third. Marvin Harrison fourth. Antonio Brown fifth. Four hundred thirty for Antonio Brown. So three of them are Colts wide receivers. Know, dude, they, team like I said, dude, the Colts they played a lot of wild card rounds. I mean, I think they were just getting they were losing the one seed to the Patriots for all those years. Um, and then, I mean, obviously it was the one and two seeds were getting buys back then, but yep. A lot of, a lot of posts on this list. Um, Deshaun Watson in terms of quarterbacks, because I know for the past few years, they've been in the wild card team that gets knocked mm-hmm. out early. And Deshaun this year led the league in terms of passing yards, I believe. 
Yeah. Uh, so completely underrated player. One of those guys you just hopes he gets out of his current situation yeah. and finds a new team. Him like Alan <laughs> you know. Yeah, dude. The news with, <laughs> yeah. You know, funny you mentioned him. He was in the news today about how they're talking about they're considering trading him. I mean, it's like if you're a team with a, a, a average to below average quarterback, you you could trade, <laughs> unload the unload the Briggs truck and and you know give everything you got to get that a guy like that because he's a top three, top four quarterback in this league. And you don't, those guys don't come around often. Imagine getting the pair of like Allen Robinson and Deshaun Watson or Allen Robinson. That would completely and change. Wentz that would completely your change your team. Look at, what if the Pats were like, all right, let's grab what Carson the, Wentz and Allen Robinson. That would, NFL would fans would hate it. NFL fans would be so mad because the Patriots oh would God. be right there again as one of the best teams in the NFL. And it would be so classic Pats because they love <laughs> overpaying for that stud yeah. wide receiver. And they do They've have some good players times. who sat out from COVID, for COVID reasons this year too. So yeah, that defense would get stronger next year. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about the Pats. I, I should rejoice <laughs> about the fact that they're not in the playoffs so the Giants fans. You get to enjoy the misery with me this weekend, buddy. <laughs> Dude, I would trade. Would you trade the number one pick if you're the Jaguars for Deshaun Watson? Would you trade Trevor Lawrence for Watson? Yeah. A thousand percent. It's, it's a guaranteed commodity. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, Watson's awesome. He's really, really good. Um, but yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do it. I, I I'm glad we got to talk a bit about Wildcard Weekend because you know it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun week of NFL football because it's we're not gonna see more playoff yep. games the rest of the year. This is gonna be the most playoff games we're gonna see in one week six. We we'll think we'll see four next week. Um, really, just looking forward to some great football. I hope that some of these underdogs are able to keep staying these games. Maybe even upset keeps the game exciting. Um, and we'll, we'll see how, what happens. I, I'm looking forward to, uh, I mean, congrats to the NFL for being able to finish the, the regular season on time and on schedule and really just crazy season we're in the midst of, and hopefully it culminates into a good playoff round and good playoff, you know, experience for everybody. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm so excited for this weekend. You know, we get Saturday football starting at one o'clock. I literally can just sit in my apartment all day. You guys can socially distance. You know, there's no excuse to go out. Everyone stay safe, watch some football, do a little gambling, do a little drinking, have some fun. You know, this is going to be a great weekend. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'm glad we were able to wrap it up on a a good note. Let's uh, look forward to some great weekend football. Good luck to you, everybody, on their gambling endeavors and their DFS endeavors. Uh, thank you all for listening. Remember to follow All Things Analysis on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram. We got a new YouTube channel. Connor, what's the YouTube channel name? All, things, all things Analysis, analysis baby. Right. Not it's all, all Things Analysis, baby. It's All Things Analysis. <laughs> <laughs> We're on uh, YouTube now. We got um, And we got LinkedIn as well. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P. Thank you all for listening. Go rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, whatever you listen to us on. Uh, we really appreciate all the support we get. And uh, thank you all for listening again. And hope hope we uh, are able to, you know, stay safe and, and really uh, get through these rough times as a country. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about that uh, on the jump of the podcast. And um, everybody just remember to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious?